Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 212 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe. You have me for a couple more weeks until Sports Talk takes off, and then mm. and then I'm going to be too big for this little wrestling show. Well, again, you say a few weeks. Um, you know how I don't know how both of both you and uh, Mr. Marcus there were uh, no spoilers for Sports Talk. But it's two guys giving their opinions on sports, specifically the Yankees, and a little bit of football sprinkled in there. Neither one of you guys are uh, basketball, hockey. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for Marcus, but I'm not. Okay. Um, But I like the fact that both of you are like, oh, man, we're doing this big victory lap about the Yankees, man. Uh, They making it past the Astros? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're realistic people, you know? like. Yanks, I have the game on. Like, this is the first time in a long time that I have, like, a second screen up while I'm doing a podcast, and I have the game, and they're, of course, losing game two. Mm. Um, I, I will say, in the off chance the Yankees advance, which they're not going to, but in the off chance they advance to the World Series, uh, we might have to take a look at the at-odds recording schedule for that week. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we're realistic people. I know... Uh, Somebody who might have the similar opinions to Marcus has tweeted a lot, like, World Series is on, World Series is off. I was never under the impression they'd ever get past the Astros. I just always Mm. figured they'd get to this point. Yeah. Uh, But the show was fun. If you're a sports person, I listened because I'm a fan of you and Marcus in that order. And then very much further down (laughs) on the list is actual sports itself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know if it made the air, but we discussed like what the over under was like as far as how much of the show you would listen to. Uh, I think uh, I think I said that you would listen to the whole thing out of out of just blind loyalty. But, yeah, uh, I wasn't sure. You know, um, I did like the discussion, and this isn't like a test of like me proving, but I did get a kick out of you guys talking about like what the Yankees should sign Aaron Judge for. Uh-huh. Um. And while well, you're going back and forth, and I'm like, oh, this is Mr. Make Offer is saying they should just give him whatever he wants, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spend anybody else's money, like, indiscriminately. I don't care. But no, you made a lot of uh, interesting points of, like, he, like, he's up. There's teams that definitely are not in the consideration just because, like, the financial structure of the teams and uh, how San Francisco's making a play, which is very interesting sports discussion, you know? Yeah, but like I enjoyed doing the show, and I think Marcus did as well. And it's not going to be a regular thing, but every once in a while, when uh, we're overflowing with the need to talk into a microphone about sports, right. we'll get together. And you know, it's not necessarily an evergreen podcast, but it does have uh, like some predictions for the end of season awards, and you know, our predictions for the uh, the final four. And I think we said some very nice things about the Phillies and the Guardians, so it wasn't a, an entire victory lap of a show. Right, and, and I will just close out that before we get into the how you've been spending the rest of your days, uh, <laughs> not hard on the road. But um, I, I, I might have mentioned this off-air to someone, uh, and maybe privately to someone else. Um, I like a lot of people coming for you mm-hmm. for talking shit about the Yankees' win and the Cleveland loss. Mm-hmm. But not talking no shit on Marcus <laughs> for him saying the same things. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, got a, bunch of, got a bunch of cowards out there, you know. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, uh, you know, as much of a giant as Marcus may be, like compared uh-huh. to me, 
Uh, I am that much of a giant compared to a lot of those Cleveland people, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. But you, um, yeah, I'm just saying, I just thought oh. it was funny. It's like, uh, everybody giving you a hard time, but Marcus was like literally tweet for tweet with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, allegedly. I don't know. Yeah, if you know, it. you know, <laughs> if you know, you know, right. But, uh, I was talking to Adam before we started recording about how busy, uh, my last couple days have been. Uh, you know, just, you know, family stuff, you know, adult stuff and so on and so forth. I wish I had the leisure <laughs> to spend my whole fucking day arguing with the guy who's got 50 porn bot followers that you <laughs> shamed him into changing his profile picture. Yeah, I mean, I see these things all the time because Ed from Bob Van Dam is always like putting them on blast. Correct. And- I, I, I did a deep dive, which I seldom do. I was looking at this dude's Twitter, and then Ed got blocked. So Ed couldn't continue the fight, and I felt like it was my duty to carry on in his honor. And I, I can't be as funny as Ed Cody, but I can be meaner, I think, and that's where I went with it. Well, so I, so that's the thing. I, and listen, Ed got blocked, sure. I, I completely understand, and you want to defend young ed's honor and i completely like i said i completely understand but i will say this ed has made motherfuckers delete their accounts yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i know like you're mean but ed is so funny and that it just draws other people into dunking on this person that they just delete their account and disappear forever (laughs) i know i i thrive to one day have that kind of twitter like power right one day you know and and then I don't know if um, you saw it. It was maybe like a week or two ago. Um, there was the I, I forget what the hell his name was, but he was like the the MLW super fan. Yeah, I, I heard about it on Pod Van Dam. Okay, right, right. So uh, he got into a dust up the other day with Rovert. If you know Rovert, you know him too. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rovert was giving him such a hard time. That he just ended up locking his own profile so no one could interact with him anymore. <laughs> Which is like the ultimate coward move. Yeah, yeah. No, I, sometimes it's, I mean, I don't want to be a Twitter bully, but sometimes it's fun to be a Twitter bully. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and listen, I will, there's, there's a very famous instance of me being a Twitter bully to someone, mm-hmm. but this is someone who went on their podcast and claimed that me, on my comic book podcast, I was just ripping off his show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I take my podcasting very seriously. And uh, again, Ed is funny. You're mean. I'm factual. Yeah. <laughs> I So I didn't ask him. I didn't. I, if, if you know the story, you know, I could tell you off air if you see me at the LVAC this weekend. But with me interacting with this guy. I didn't tell him to do this, but he went and re-edited the episode of the podcast, taking out the part of the podcast that had been like days old now, mm-hmm. where he had said shit about me. I don't know how anybody can say shit about you, Joe. You're so charming, you know? Hmm. <laughs> Am I? Am I? But uh, yeah, so I'm glad you enjoyed your uh, afternoon as a Twitter bully. Yeah, you know, putting my, my time off to good use. Right. Very important. How's the uh, toy room coming along? How's the Funko Purge coming along? Uh, like I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on air. I sold 57 Funkos last week, and I've mm-hmm. only bought one since. Oh, okay. So that's a net loss of 56. So I yeah, think that's, that's yeah. progress. 
I, I would certainly say so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, hey, let's get into... And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents... This Day in Wrestling History. All right. So a busy day in wrestling history. We'll see where everything goes from here. Um, So on this day in wrestling history, uh, 1996, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment held the event In Your House Buried Alive, uh, which was the Buried Alive, the first ever Buried Alive match versus The Undertaker and Mankind. Um, But this is October of 1996. World Wrestling Entertainment is still in a state of flux. You know, yeah. Um, you know, after that hot run of winning the King of the Ring four months prior, uh, Steve Austin just now is getting the glass break portion of his entrance music. Okay, because you know how they tell you the story. It's like he win the he won the King of the Ring, and the next day he was the biggest star in <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, next day the gimmick was fully flushed out. Yeah, and everything was good and. Um, you know, a lot of it, of course, is I'm not sure if it's the raw immediately after this in your house. It's probably the raw immediately after this in your house where they get the definitive word if Mr. Hitman's going to be sticking around or not. Um, if you also remember, like they would have the pay-per-view scheduled out like months in advance so they could be in like that little flyer that would come in your cable bill. Mm-hmm. You might remember, and we're going to get to it in two months, that the November in your... Do you remember the uh, the... I'm sorry, the December 96 in your house was called? Uh, I'm not going to have any clue. It, it's time. It's the name time? <laughs> okay, it was just called It's Time. Okay. Because the original plan when they sent this stuff off to the uh, cable companies was it was going to be Vader as the champion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Plans change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of the match that he has at SummerSlam with Sean, uh, the match between Sid and Vader at this In Your House is det- is to determine the number one contender of who will face Sean at Survivor Series, and it ends up being Sid. Mm. It's, it's a shame. Vader was such a great worker at this time. Well, again, he was, um, you know, and not spoiling anything, but uh, Mick Foley talks about it on his podcast this week, that Vader was just still shook from like almost a year, like more than a year prior of that fight that he got into with uh, Paul Orndorff and WCW that caused him to get released from WCW. Okay. Um, That here it was like a year later and it like, it was still like haunting him. It lived as the kids say now, 1996, the Paul Orndorff beating the shit out of Vader while wearing shower shoes (laughs) was living rent free in Vader's head. (laughs) Every time he heard the flippity flap of shoes, he got like yes. bumps. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, again, not a not a great show, but definitely interesting to see. You know that what WWE had set up in the summer had almost completely changed here now. Uh, you know, four months later. Yeah, and I don't think now they they don't announce anything more than like if the tickets aren't on sale, they don't announce anything. Right. Yeah, like I said, now it was a different time, you know, pre two thousand whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll get to it. You know, we always have our ninety seven stuff, but this day in wrestling history, two thousand two, World Wrestling Entertainment held the pay per view No Mercy from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, the brand split was still kind of fresh. They weren't doing separate branded pay per views yet. Okay. Um, but this is, a, this is a, you know, I th- I'd say that 
um, the the good far outweighs the really bad on this show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho and Christian versus Booker's T and Goldust for the Raw tag titles is a good little match. Uh, the gif was going around a bunch today um, where Jericho goes for the lion salt and the middle rope just snaps right off the ring. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, I remember watching this live and freaking the fuck out. And little did I know what would happen later on in the pay-per-view, you know? Mm. Um, we also have the crowning of the inaugural SmackDown Tag Team Champions as Benoit and Angle take on Edge and Rey Mysterio. And this is like the beginning of what we referred to as the SmackDown 6 with these four, Eddie and Chavo, that you can just put any mix of those six guys together and have a good match, right? Yeah, because this the inaugural brand split SmackDown, at least in my opinion, maybe in a lot of people's, was the better wrestling show. Yes, and Raw was just the Triple H show. Okay, well, this is where we have the title unification match of Triple H, who was the world champion, defeating Kane, the Intercontinental champion, so that on Raw there would only be one singles champion, and that one singles champion would be Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they did the same thing with the United States, didn't they? And combine that with the world. No. So what they did was they had a, they had previously, I think, folded in. So there was no U.S. title yet. The U.S. title shows up on SmackDown as a secondary title a little bit later on this year, right? They folded the inter, or they folded the hardcore title into the Intercontinental title. Okay. And then the Intercontinental title into the world title. Hardcore title never comes back. Intercontinental title comes back like a year after this, right? Yeah. Um, However, go out of your way and watch this. And I wonder what the edit of this match looks like on uh, the award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. But the main event was for the world title, you know, the SmackDown title, of Brock versus Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match, right? Mm-hmm. This match is fucking crazy. Both guys beat bleed buckets. Um, Brock wins, and at the end of the match, in like one of the most remarkable feats of strength, agility, and just like unparalleled like monstrosity, Brock is on the outside of the ring, and he literally scales from outside to the ring to the top of the hell of the cell in like two seconds. It's just amazing. It's like you blink and he's climbed up to the top of the cell. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he was a crazy, he was a freak athlete before freak athletes of that size were like a normal thing doing the shoot and star press, at least yeah. in OPW and, and both guys be- bleed buckets. And there's one part in the match where Brock is beaten on undertaker. Both guys are busted open. Brock hits undertaker with whatever. Okay. Brock goes for the pin, one, two, Undertaker kicks out, and while Brock is selling the disbelief of Undertaker kicking out, and Undertaker is selling the exhaustion of the beating that he's getting from the Undertaker, Brock is bleeding directly into the Undertaker's mouth. <laughs> and it is so disgusting. And I will ne- that image will never leave my mind. Um, and I'm wondering if they do something to edit around that because of how gross and disgusting it is. Yeah, maybe. Like I can I can imagine I have nothing to base this on, but like a lot of that might be in black and white now because like that seems to be the way that WWE makes blood less scary. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we have our head to head nineteen ninety seven, twenty five years ago today, Raw versus Nitro. 
Uh, Nitro is the go-home show for Halloween Havoc. Um, and again, I wasn't watching WCW at the time. So, like, some of the stuff I know, like, from a tertiary standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, getting a chance to kind of, like, re-see some of the stuff maybe for the first time in a very long time. The build, you know, was very strong for the double main event of Macho Man versus DDP and Hogan versus Piper in the cage. Um, and they do, you know, last week they did the thing where the tons of stings come out to the ring. They do it again to close out the show, but this time the NWO is ready for them. But then two of the stings reveal themselves as DDP and uh, Piper, and they get the better of the NWO to close out Nitro, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, just like a ho-hum, nothing else going on for the uh, go-home of Halloween Havoc, but, you know, very strong for the two big matches on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any memories of this one, watching this one, or anything like that? Um, I mean, I remember the the Sting thing with uh, Piper and DDP, but, like, I'm looking at the card here, and yeah. it's just a, it's a random generation of Nitro of that era. Like, I'm sure the Guerrero-Benoit match was probably good, but, you know, nothing else stands out. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. There's other stuff. There's other low-card angle stuff that happens on there. Um, Goldberg looks at the camera and says, not who's next, but everyone's next. Oh, character development. Right, character <laughs> development. You know, every, like we're seeing a lot of like acts that would become big as the Attitude Era comes upon us, kind of getting their feet underneath them this week, 25 years ago. Uh, you know, that's on Nitro over on Raw. Huge busy show. Um, one of the more memorable things, this was the, um, you know, you have your upper tier and you have your lower tier gang wars stuff. Yeah, like, your yeah. upper-tier gang wars is, like, the Heart Foundation, DX, and the Nation. And yeah, your like, lower... Yeah, your lower tier... Yeah. <laughs> right, there was definitely a tier for these two gang war things. And this were the one where the uh, Nation of Domination's locker room was vandalized. <gasps> and uh, it was, you know, very clearly supposed to be DX did it and tried to frame the Heart Foundation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads to a bunch of matches with, like, you know, Heart Foundation people and, you know, then you have, like, the WWE people that aren't affiliated that are just kind of, like, your generic baby faces. And I say, like, you know, LOD, Ahmed, and Ken Shamrock are, like, your generic baby face group there, you know? Yeah. But they're in the mix. Um, on this show, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches. Three of them are no contests because the matches just get thrown out for a variety of reasons. Mm. Uh, one of those matches is supposed to be Dude Love versus the British Bulldog. Uh, and this is where, we, uh, you know, after Bad Blood, Undertaker's not to be seen. Kane is coming out every week on Raw and attacking people until the Undertaker comes out and faces him. This time he attacks Dude Love, which is what reverts Mick back to being Mankind to set up Mankind versus Kane at Survivor Series. Okay. Um, which is a really good match. Um, you know, kind of gets overshadowed by other things that may happen on that Survivor Series. I'm just looking at this. They literally main evented Monday Night Raw with Eight Ball and Skull versus the Godwins. Or is yes, this- sir. Oh Jesus! All right, <laughs> this is the company that won. <laughs> yeah, this is the company that won. Um, we get the first ever like on-screen thing. They're not quite called the New Age Outlaws yet. Um, but he is the badass Billy Gunn, and uh, he is the road dog, just road dog with one G. 
Um, instead of if and if you're not down with that, you better page someone. Oh, that that new age technology paging. Yeah, yeah you better <laughs> page someone on their beeper, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we will leave out the part. Uh, at the end of the match, where for no reason, uh, Road Dog goes over to commentary and calls uh, Jerry Lawler the F slur. Ugh! All right, <laughs> all right. Again, it's the red. They're they're being crazy. I don't know, right? Yeah, unpredictable, wacky. <laughs> uh, but I would say the biggest moment that happens on this show, um, and it's not because I'm a homer for this person. No, and it's not, not because I've been a lifelong fan of this person, not a Johnny Come Lately fan. Uh, it's because of this promo. And right, speaking right. of attitude, what about Steve Austin? Now here's a guy who has lowered himself to shaving his head and coming hey. out here every week not once or twice but 10 or 15 times and saying the word ass that's right saying the word ass just to get a reaction just to get noticed stone cold no 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 stone cold you will always be the ringmaster and as far as your Stone Cold, as far as your blasphemous merchandise, that offends me. Austin 316 offends me because what you're doing is ripping off the Bible to put money in your pockets. Hey, you get what you pay for, McMahon. Don't try to stop him now. It's going to be your judgment day. Vince. You wanted the real Jeff Jarrett tonight? Well, you got him. I just hope your investment's going to be worth <laughs> all your headaches. <laughs> and certainly so do we. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue with that. I love so, that he slips in the Jeff Jarrett laugh. You know, <laughs> just uh, he's doing a little bit of a shoot promo, but he throws in the ha <laughs> ha. And uh, who can forget that million-dollar Gates that was Jarrett versus Stone Cold, you know? Well... Again, so Jarrett was literally on Nitro two weeks ago. We've talked about it here as they were setting up a match. It was supposed to be at Halloween Havoc with him and Mongo. Uh, the whole promo, he gets into Barry and Mongo, Barry and Deborah, Barry and Ahmed Johnson, all this crazy stuff. And this is one of those instances where the Vince Russo work shoot didn't work. Mm-hmm. Because Jarrett, even as you hear it there, like there's an uneasiness in his voice. And the shit that he says about Austin, like uh, like Austin was so huge at this time. Austin's just like, fuck it, I'm never working with him, you know? Mm. And Double J was on Stone Cold's podcast. They covered this era of Double J on Double J's podcast. And I'm not going to call Jeff Jarrett, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Conrad Thompson, or Derek, who's my friend, uh, Derek can only do so much. He's not there, but people who are in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. So I'll give Derek a pass. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that Jeff Jarrett, Steve Austin, and Conrad Thompson are trying to paint a revisionist history of what happened here. <laughs> but they are absolutely attempting to paint a revisionist history of what happened here. And it's funny that like was this 1996, 97? 97. 
yeah. 97. Ni- the 97 equivalent of shit was ass. Like now right. it's like they try to shove shit in as much as they can. And uh, back then, ass was the, the edgy thing that you'd say to get a pop. Right. And it's just one of these things where, you know, and we'll talk about it as like the weeks go on here with Double J. But like he has a match at the the December in your house against Undertaker. And he gets like granted it's a DQ win, but he gets a win over the Undertaker. And they were still like hadn't given up on him. I don't even think he's on Survivor Series, but, you know, they hadn't given up on him. They were still going to attempt to push him as a main eventer. And then by February, all that's done. He's part of the NWA faction with Barry Windham and the Rock and Roll Express. And then two months after that, they have um, Robert Fuller in his Tennessee Lee, and he's back to doing the country music singer. And then three months after that, they brought Deborah in, you know? Yeah. So if it wasn't for Stone Cold not wanting to do the program with them, we would have never gotten the great Aztec gear. Well, no, the Aztec gear we would have got. We probably would have never got the redo of the country music singer, and we may have never got Don't Piss Me Off, Double J. Yeah, but I thought like the Aztec gear wasn't that his NWA gear? Or no, I- so that was the gear that he wrestled. Like, that's his gear that he wrestles this run into the NWA run oh, with. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to keep track of the 75 different start and stops of <sighs> Jeff Jarrett in the WWF at the time. Listen, and I, I, listen I love Jeff Jarrett, uh, and I've always loved Jeff Jarrett, but even at the time, this didn't feel right, and especially watching it again here today, 25 years later, it's just so miscast. Like, Jeff at this, like, Jeff would later become this guy due to his friendship and his kinship and whatever with Vince Russo, for better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at this time, this was not who Jeff was. You know, he comes out and he's like, Vince, and the, like, even more, like, fans are throwing shit. And Vince is completely disinterested in it. And, you know, they're, they're positioning it is as though Jeff is this disgruntled guy that Vince reluctantly brought back. And now he's going to be the thorn in, Je- in Vince's side. And again, how crazy is that to think that here we are in October of 97, where Jeff Jarrett is the one who's positioned as the thorn uh, in Vince McMahon's side, you know? Oh, geez. Yeah, like. Think of it in like another universe somewhere. Jeff Jarrett became the Stone Cold, and somehow that there's like Jeff Jarrett shirts being sold in, you know, I wouldn't say Hot Topic, but whatever the equivalent is back in '97. Well, and then you know we get Stone Cold Jeff Jarrett at the start of TNA, so he does get his Stone Cold run, but it's not for another five years. You know, Stone Cold versus Jeff Jarrett in TNA. No, it, like you, so, I thought that's what you just said. No, we get our stone cold Jeff Jarrett oh, run. Like gosh. he is in 2002, he's stone cold Jeff Jarrett. Like no friends, don't trust anybody. King of the playing. Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh no, pre-King of the Mountain. He was just like he was the biggest baby face, but he was also the biggest heel. He had no allies. Like, he'd soon as stun, like, Mike Tanay as he would, like, the biggest heel or, like, hit them with the guitar, right? Constantly getting arrested by the cops. Like, they just took the Austin template from 97, 98 and put it on Jarrett in 2002, 2003 TNA. Yeah, copy and A, get an A. Well, listen, as a Jarrett fan, what's remembered more fondly? By more people. (laughs) <laughs> throw definitely that caveat the, in there by more people yeah definitely uh definitely the Jarrett thing and i will just end that segment by saying joe six more days 
Oh, five more. Well, yeah, six more days. Ooh, baby. <laughs> and then we hit another milestone. Oh, boy. But All right, Joe, so you go ahead. I just want to say one last thing for this day in, in history. Uh, wrestling adjacent, seven years ago today, twice had their debut EP. The story so far was it was released. I think it more escaped than anything, but uh, happy twice day, Joe. I was going to say, how the hell is that wrestling adjacent? You got a fucking paycheck from Ed to say that? <laughs> uh, let's just say maybe my, my I was bought. Uh, but, uh, He's going to buy you a $3 Michelob at LVAC tomorrow? <laughs> hey, that's one less I have to buy. All right. Anyways, go ahead. Happy twice day. <laughs> let's get into what we uh, talked, uh, watched and enjoyed and so forth from the last seven days of professional wrestling, Adam. And I'll let you kick things off. All right, I'm going to start off with this is kind of a combination because there was something I didn't talk about from last week, but it does kind of roll over into this week. And I'll just say, I want to talk about the MJF promos from the last two weeks. Okay. MJF is somebody that, you know, we both have buried. I think you more so than anybody else. You say that, you know, for every home run, there's three or four strikeouts. I'm not going to say that these have been home runs the last couple of weeks, but I've been interested in them because they're not the typical MJF, you know, come out, make fun of the home team, you know, call people fat, you know, I'm going to bang your girlfriend, that kind of promos. They've been better in that they've been interesting. Last week, he came out and he had basically addressed the fact that he didn't shake or he almost shook Wheeler Yuta's hand in their match. But the firm went and, you know, jumped in and he was basically, hey, they weren't following my orders. That wasn't what I I told him to do. And he mentioned how sometimes he doesn't like who he sees in the mirror, but he does what he has to do, you know, to to get himself to where he is now. And then this past week, or as in like two days ago on Dynamite, he had the promo with William Regal. And he told the story about, you know, Regal discovering him or seeing a young 19-year-old MJF. He shouts out Creative Pro and Brian Myers, which was fun, and does the bit where he reads off of his phone. And that leads to the bit at the end of the show where instead of cashing in the suddenly cash-inable chip as like a Money in the Bank briefcase type thing, he says he's going to do this the right way for the first time. And I think this is an interesting handling of mjf you know he's not doing the same shtick and obviously a lot of people are waiting for the baby face turn but this is an interesting way to get there yeah um i'm with you this is my list of things to talk about um i didn't like last week's promo as much okay um obviously i liked this one uh this week a lot but, um, you know, and I know that you say, like, oh, I give MJF a hard time. And it's not so much that I give MJF a hard time. It's that I don't, like, I don't, you know, the sun doesn't rise and set with MJF for me like it does some, seemingly with everyone else. No, um, me neither. You know, I yeah. see people all the time in, like, maybe some, you know, private Facebook groups that are like, MJF yeah. is the greatest of all time. Right. And like, come on. Well, again, his the the trainer that he shouted out is in that group, so of course they're <laughs> not going to say anything negative there. Yeah. But it's not so much that I say negative things. It's like I know that he could cut the promos like he did this week and a little lesser last week. So when he cuts that lazy bang your girlfriend, hometown, so on and so forth, I'm like, you know, you, he's better than that. You know, like his whole thing is like I'm better than you and you know it. Well, 
Max, you're better than that, and I know it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And this week, I think, really proved it. Like, there's little things I would have picked out that he couldn't have said that, like, you know, I hate the bidding war of 2024. I fucking hate that. Um, Like, other little things that I think we could have taken out of when he's on the ramp and he's, like, getting the fans to rally behind him, you know? Mm. When he's, like, motioning to them to, like, come on, cheer for me. At least it adds a little bit of intrigue into where the character is going. I would. L- I don't think MJF will ever be your standard traditional babyface, um, like a Hangman Page, let's say. Okay, I would even say like Moxley's your traditional babyface by today's um, standards, absolutely. Because like, Mo- is Moxley a babyface? Yes, but if he's in a match with a babyface, Moxley's always going to be the one that plays heel. Whether or not he gets the heel reaction, he's always going to play heel, and I think that's where the evolution of like your top tier, like lower card guys, mid card guys, you need to be very clear. Like they need to be clear, good guy, clear, bad guy. But when you're at that top of the card, you could have a little bit of ambiguity. That little bit of mystery adds a lot more to the character. And I'm more interested in this stuff with MJF than any other stuff that he's done in his entire run in AEW. Yeah, and you mentioned Moxley being able to to work heel. You know, Danielson does the same stuff. Yeah, needed to uh, even Eddie Kingston. Like they can be the heel in one of those matches, depending on who they're facing, without even necessarily changing their style. It's not like Moxley's all of a sudden going to be cheating behind the ref's back. It can just be the heel in the match, if that makes sense. But I think I agree with you. If MJF continues to develop in this direction, he can be ambiguous that way as well. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to fantasy book anything. Or I'm not going to make any predictions. But this is one where definitely I can't say for sure what's going to happen next in the storyline. And there's nothing I like more when it comes to wrestling than not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I like what it's predictable. That means you've told a good story. But I also like when you tell a good enough story that you have three or four or five possible outcomes and all of them make sense. Mm, no, I agree. And that's where I think we are with this uh, MJF stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, So I'll throw one on, you know, maybe uh, a a couple missteps that have happened that have really been living in my head rent free, as the kids say. That's twice I said it on this show. I got to stop talking like a young, you know? Uh, So they set up the big match uh, on SmackDown this past week. And uh, it's Mansois taking on his former manager, agent, who the fuck knows, L.A. Knight, okay? So they do a dot-com heel promo to kind of set things up to put Maximum Male Models as the heels in this. Uh, L.A. Knight comes out, and he works the match more or less as his tweener-ish babyface character. And again, listen, I've given, uh, you know, I've worked myself into a shoot with my fandom of <laughs> L.A. Knight, but I could very clearly admit that he's taken like, oh, I'll take a couple bits of Stone Cold and I'll take a couple bits of The Rock. And, you know, because of the time that he came up in the business, I'll take a little bit of Mr. Kennedy as well for some reason. <laughs> and that's who my character is, right? And he goes and he wins the match. And I got a lot of nitpicks about everything. You know, the finisher's not the best. Uh, his tights look fucking low rent as shit. Uh, but then afterwards, he cuts the heel promo on the crowd. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? You know, like, you could have got a couple weeks at least out of him as, like, the baby face or something instead of, like, 
him being a heel, turning on the heel faction to be a babyface, coming out as a babyface against the heel faction, and then he immediately turns back to as a different heel who's not with the other heels that he just left, right? Yeah, you could have had him, you know, he faced, uh, you know, Masse, then do a match against Mansois, and then, you know, get a partner, just drag yeah. it out a little bit, you know? Yeah, and then, like, like, and then you could, okay, so that's the other thing, is so, um, it was, I was recording the uh, Patreon show for uh, Longbox Heroes while SmackDown was on live, so as soon as I was done, I'm like, All right, I'm gonna watch SmackDown, and it was, like, 12.30 at night, and I'm in the DMs with Marcus, and we're rebooking the territory because they fucking fumbled L.A. Night, right? <laughs> A suitable usage of your time, yes. Right. And we we willed something into existence that I think we'll talk about shortly. But, like, you could have did the thing where, exactly like you said, where, like, oh, he beats one, he beats the other, but they constantly beat him down after the match. He goes and he gets himself a partner. And I'll just throw someone out there, let's say Madcap Moss, right? <laughs> so it's yes. And, again, these are good, like, middle card heels and faces and you do you know madcap moss and la knight reluctant partners you know they like adam pierce won't let him have a tag team match so he has to find a partner him and madcap moss have the match and madcap moss ends up getting pinned right so then that's when la knight turns he beats up madcap cap moss and that's where you get the thing you know you kind of give maximum male models a little bit of shine on their way away from this and now you have your illegitimate reason for L.A. Knight to turn heel after he tried to be a good guy getting away from Maximilian Models. And then we talked about maybe bringing other people in on that level to kind of help bring L.A. Knight up on the heel side or the babyface side or whatever side you decided to do. But then we'll get to Raw when we get to Raw. But the most egregious fucking thing Uh-oh. that happened on SmackDown in regards to all of this, Adam. Yeah. Now, listen, Adam... I, there's there's a line sometimes, you know, and th- this line gets crossed for me when I get invested in a character, you know, uh, like, oh, listen, I know it's all pre-planned and I know it's scripted, but I'll tell you, 2003, uh, when Raven was feuding with CM Punk and Ring of Honor, uh, boy, did I think all that was real and I did turn that part of my brain off, right? Yeah. So I'm watching SmackDown and I don't know who the lady who does the ring announcement on SmackDown is, and I would never call for this under any other circumstances. But if I was Triple H and she comes backstage, I would have fired her on the spot. Because she announces coming down the aisle, weighing in at 220-whatever pounds from Hagersville, Maryland. (laughs) Hagersville, Maryland? What the hell is Hagersville, Maryland, right? Yeah. It's Hagerstown, Maryland. And Everyone in wrestling knows that the knows. Hollywood the the Hollywood megastar LA Knight comes from Hagerstown, Maryland, right? <laughs> yep. The, the plaque the, the plaque that was presented to him with the keys to the city that says Hagerstown, not Hagersville. Right, there is no Hager you Google Hagersville, Maryland, and it pulls up some it's like, did you mean Hagerstown, Maryland, right? Yeah. They fucking, like, if I'm creative, I'm Triple H, I'm LA Knight, I'm having, you want to get fucking heel heat, right? Mm. You have her fuck up again on SmackDown this week, and you have LA Knight come and cut the promo on her, right? (laughs) And put over the bustling metropolis of Hagerstown, Maryland. Hagersville is even on a map. 
Blah, 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 blah. You want to get this guy over as a goddamn heel? Have him start shitting on, like, the low-end people. Giving ring announcers, referees, commentators, tech people, camera people, dun, 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 dun. And then you have someone stand up. It's like, hey, man, like, you're just being a bully. Like, remember when they did this with Ryback? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was, like, really no payoff for it. This is, the, like, th- this is the payoff. It's long-term storytelling. Yeah, and then Ryback comes back, and L.A. Knight beats Ryback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I, you know what? I can't. I, I can't add anything to any of that. You well said. I will just say I realized when I was watching SmackDown this week that uh, it's quite possible that Maxine Dupree might have uh, worked her way into my top ten. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who I'm bumping out of there, but she's earned a spot. <laughs> Why I say why just ten, Adam? That's just me. <laughs> well, you got to keep it reasonable. You got to keep it, you know. I don't know. To ten. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about from this week? Uh, I, I'm not going to go into great detail on it, but I'll just say, uh, really funny seeing uh, Baron Corman teamed up with JBL on Monday Night Raw. Uh, as far as JBL, what's with old rich? like white racists and ill-fitting suits it doesn't make any sense it's like a trend but uh they both looked ridiculous it makes no sense because baron corbin is a guy who despite the fact i don't enjoy him at all has gotten over on his own multiple times as like king corbin as the constable as like down on his luck corbin even the happy corbin stuff i guess was over with some people he doesn't need a guy to talk for him, let alone JBL, who just doesn't make any sense as a pairing. But uh, again, Triple H does no wrong. So who, who do I know? Yeah. So uh, when uh, Marcus and I were up Friday night into Saturday morning rebooking the L.A. night program, Corbin was involved, right? Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, it was going to be a whole thing where it was going to be Corbin and L.A. night. It's like a heel duo on SmackDown against Madcap Moss and, like, whoever. Like, you can bring Cameron Grimes in as, like, a guy with money, and then, like, you have these four kind of intermingling in the middle of the card, and Corbin can kind of help bring everyone up. And I'm with you. I don't... Corbin's not my guy, okay? I don't get it, but I get that he's a perfect WWE sports entertainment heel, okay? If Miz is what the World Wrestling Entertainment thinks a chicken shit heel is then Corbin is what the WWE thinks a tough guy heel should be, if that makes any sense, right? Yeah, like a dominant heel. Yeah. So then to have him, if you're, so him being, um, having JBL as the manager, fucking JBL cutting the promos for him, him doing JBL moves during the match, fucking JBL saying that Corbin is the new wrestling god, right? It doesn't fit, Okay. Uh, it's a step backwards for Corbin to give him a mouthpiece. Unless there's a greater plan that they're going to build him up and he turns babyface and, like, beats up JBL or whatever the fuck happens, right? Mm. But all of this positioning doesn't work. feels like a step backwards. And even more so on top of this, if you're going to go this route with the JBL-Corbin pairing, give him a new look. Give him new gear, have him come out in a suit, have him come out with new music, have him come out with something. The fact that they do this JBL pairing and he just comes out in the same shit he was wearing on TV two months ago feels as though this was rushed onto TV for some reason with not a lot of thought put into it. And I guess Triple H missing Raw this week because he has COVID 
could be the reason for that. I don't know for sure. But, like, I feel bad for the person, whatever the fuck his name is, Football Tom, who plays Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. Um, but this it, he just is miscast in this role. I see this as a step backwards, and they're going to have to dig themselves out of a hole to get Corbin back to where he was, like, literally two months ago when he was feuding with Pat McAfee. Yeah, I mean, even just losing the silly little hat and the uh, the Happy Corbin theme music would have been enough to to somewhat salvage that. Something like even uh, on um, the Broski show this week, um, you know, they were recording it Monday night, and Brian was watching Raw, and he was fucking killing how bad Corbin looked. Like, not that he was like bad in the ring, but I think Brian specifically says that his gear looks like a couch. <laughs> Yeah, like the the seats of an old leather like yeah. Impala. And, and Brian was just like, I can't get into it because his gear just looks so shitty. Like, and again, I don't know what his legs look like, but if you're gonna go the full JBL route with him, like have him come out like with the jacket and the towel and the shorty tights, you know, and like give him the full JBL treatment, not like whatever this half ass thing they did with him on Raw was. Yeah. Well, we'll let it play out. You know, we don't want to dump on WWE unnecessarily. Right. <laughs> you have anything else joe or is that it that's all i got man all right so let's get into homework homework it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So, Adam assigned to me to watch the Women's Extreme Wrestling event off of YouTube entitled Booty Assault. <laughs> Yes. Now, and again, this wasn't my idea. This was suggested to us by by two people who shall go name uh, nameless. Uh huh. Well, you had to watch it too, Adam. Keep uh, that in mind. Uh, you know, I enjoyed every second of it, Joe. Oh, you did. <laughs> so I mentioned last week when you had assigned it that I remember uh, Brian Zane over at Wrestling Is Regret reviewed this. And this is one of those properties, women's extreme wrestling, that's just like such a nebulous thing that existed from 2002 to 2007, 2008. And they just filmed a bunch of content and have released it multiple ways, multiple times. Okay? Okay. So what you ended up assigning to us, okay? Uh, And you can go over to uh, Kevin uh, Hellion's website, masklibrary.com. Uh, he did his write-up on this. And again, you said two people. I'm guessing it was Kevin and the educator. Cater. No, it was not them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm telling you it wasn't them. Uh, but I will credit Mass Library for writing that entire article with his one free hand. Oh, right. <laughs> he is one of those fancy gaming uh, lapt- <laughs> or, uh, keyboards, right? Must be, yeah. Okay, so what we saw, what we watched was a production that was made in 2014, okay? Okay, you couldn't tell by the video standards, but... Well, okay, so here's the thing. It was uh, what ended up being five matches 
from four different tapings, okay? Out of order, no context, no nothing, okay? Um, and again, I'm going to do what I can. I'm, I, you know, I can't. Uh, so the wrestling on this show was bad, okay? The physical in-ring stuff is bad. Most of what we watch is from 2002. Um, does not hold up in any way, shape, or form, okay? Yeah, but I will say, before you get into anything, I expected much, much, much worse. Okay. Um, I expected this bad, and my ex- my expectations were met, okay? All right. So our opening, oh, we start the show with a video package, okay? And the first match, because I have all the information here from this show in front of me, thank you, cage match, and I have more people to thank a little bit later on today, okay? Mm-hmm. Our first match is from the on the stroll to destruction pay-per-view from May of 2004 as ODB uh who is not fully formed yet takes on Christy Ricci and I assume she was named this cuz she bears a passing resemblance to Christina Ricci okay yeah all right like passing reference okay so lighting this takes place at the electric factory in philly is lit so poorly you could barely make out anything that's going on right yeah and they don't and he doesn't say his name but i recognize the voice of the commentator as scott hudson okay who had done commentary for wcw tna and so forth okay Mm -hmm. um so the wrestling was fine it was serviceable the girls worked the match each of the matches have like a scantily clad like lady referee who's probably somebody from the local strip club, you know? Yeah, the first match had like a, a bald dude because he had an extensive oh, pat down of of Chris. Oh, oh, that's right. This opening match was uh, J- uh John or Jim Molino from ECW fame. Yeah. So, okay, so this match is just like a standard match, but then Scott Hudson on commentary is like uh, you know, ODB Oh, look at her. Maybe if she put on a dress and wore some makeup, she'd be okay to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he's just going on and, like, fawning over how beautiful Christy, Christy Ricci is and how hideous ODB is. And like I said, ODB is not fully formed yet, you know, isn't the character that we would see a couple years later in TNA. Um, at one point, he says that ODB is keeping the crimping industry in business, making fun of her hair, right? Yeah. So, again, the commentary just, like, I know Scott Hudson, and it felt as though he was being directed to do this sort of commentary. I'd like to think that Scott Hudson isn't this big of a dirtbag, right? Yeah. I won't say the same for the other people that do commentary later (laughs) on. Yeah, and plus the match for at least the audio for the first match was noticeably ahead of the action. Because right. you would have uh, Hudson be like, wow, what a clothesline. And there'd be like running of the ropes, a duck under, and then a clothesline like 10 seconds later. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. in the future. It was everything was out of sync. It was just poor. Like it was poor production, poor commentary. Uh, Christy Ricci wins. Right. Mm-hmm. So then uh, we go to a match from February of 2002 that takes place at the ECW arena. Uh, the name of this event was called Extreme Ho Fair. As we see a young uh, Mickey James, Alexis Lurie, take on Amanda Storm, who is managed by The Smoke. 
Now, Adam, do you know who? Did you know who the smoke was before this uh, event? Never heard of him. Never saw him. This is a first for me. Okay, so I know the smoke from going to WXW office schools um, student shows uh, back in like '99 and 2000. Okay. All right. When the smoke debuted on those shows in 99, 2000, he was a 100% rock ripoff. Okay. He has the Brahma bull on the tights. He does the eyebrow. He does all the rocks moves in the matches. Right. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't clear if he was supposed to be doing it for heat when he was doing it on the student shows, but like 22, 23 year old me, um, was certainly giving him heel heat for doing it. Right. Sure. Um, this match is fine. Um, Mickey James works way too hard on essentially, which is, um, a show that's a front to get strippers into wrestling. Yeah. Lots of, uh, cornet fans and sweatpants in this crowd. Right. <laughs> um, but there's another match where a majority of the match is Scott Hudson talking about how beautiful Alexis Lurie is and how hideous Amanda Storm is. Less about the match, less about what's going on, making remarks um, like um, that how pale she is and how she she looks like The Undertaker and, you know, making fun of her hair again. Uh, At one point, like, there's a shot, I think, like, that's supposed to be a low blow. And Scott Hudson says that won't work on her because she doesn't have kidneys. (laughs) And again, I'm not sure if he... Um, is aware of like a surgery that she had and I just, or that he doesn't know anatomy or whatever, right? Uh, there is a bit where Amanda Storm no-sells a chair shot and that was like an inspired spot in a 2002 fluff opener on a women's like weird creep show, right? Yeah, and the smoke distract the ref in order to lead to his client basically getting the chair shot. Like it made right. no sense. I know, it was a poorly laid out show. The whole thing was just a mess, right? Yeah, and you forget about Hudson fawning over BJ the ref. Right, and that, so that's the other thing. He's completely, like, enamored with the women, um, you know, because she comes out and she's going to do a strip strip tease thing. This woman, 100%, was from, not cheerleaders, but there was, a, like, if you're at the arena, like, and you go right, out of the arena, that's where cheerleaders is. There's another one that if you go left, that's the one that they worked with. Uh, you sure do know the location of all the gentlemen's clubs near the ECW arena, don't you, Joe? I know the locations of the gentlemen's club near the ECW arena, okay? <laughs> um, so next up, uh, we have a match from May of 2007, uh, also from the uh, ECW arena. Uh, this uh, show was entitled nude ring fantasy all right i like it where we get april hunter now i'm gonna pause here for a second so scott hudson is still doing post-production commentary on this match as well okay Mm -hmm. scott hudson is also doing the ring announcing for this match okay Mm -hmm. never does it get mentioned that like you could even throw like a sly thing in there to say like oh look how good that ring announcer is you know whatever right yeah so it's April Hunter taking on who we would come to know later on in uh, TNA as Raka Khan. Okay. He, on the ring announcing, calls her BB. On commentary, he calls her Barbie. 
she was announced at this show and was working on the indies at this time as Black Barbie, which is why he announced her as BB. All right. So they can't even get the names of the fucking people in their matches right. So this match is set up early on commentary that like uh, April Hunter's a longtime vet and BB Barbie whatever is a rookie and she's not going to use her sexuality to get ahead in wrestling. We set out the story of the match early on, right? Then Scott Hudson calls the rest of this ho-hum match as though it's like a deadly serious shoot fight. <laughs> like he doesn't make remarks about the girl's looks during the course of this match. All of a sudden, all that stuff is out the window for this match, which is kind of sort of based around like, you know, looks of young versus old. And it got not that old, but comparatively in the world of uh, professional wrestling. Right. Mm hmm. Um, and, and I just want to say, like, the, one of the things I just wrote down here is that the ring canvas was bunched up like bed sheets. It was the loose. Yeah, like they didn't tighten seen. up the canvas. It was a real mess, you know. And referee Isis number one. <laughs> right, Isis number one. Good. <laughs> thank you for thank you for pointing out the important things. Okay, <laughs> this is the stuff that I made notes of. <laughs> right. Uh, so next up, uh, we have from the November two thousand two. Uh, event from Froggies in Dover, Delaware, off the Deep Impact pay-per-view. Because people paid money for these shows. Right. Lady Storm taking on G.I. Ho. Yes. Uh, second person named Storm on this uh, this compilation as well. Right. Second person named Storm on this compilation. Second G.I. Ho in the world of professional wrestling. This is not the original G.I. Ho who is uh, Tylene Buck, who was in uh, World Championship Wrestling, right? Yeah. So uh, the commentators on this match are Eric Gargiulo and Jeffrey James, okay? Um, Jeffrey James I had never heard of, and I never want to hear him again. Eric Gargiulo, I know a lot of people have a soft spot in their heart for him, but if you think ECW fans are attention deficit criminals, then you never met someone who became a fan of CZW between 1999 and 2004. <laughs> and those are the people that convince themselves that Eric Arjulo is a good commentator. He is not. He fit the product for what CZW was at the time, and when he did his CZW shtick anywhere else, none of it worked. Yeah. At one point, uh, one of the commentators in they're referring to Lady Storm. He asked the other one, would you? You know, and I'm like, whoa, that is uh, 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 something I didn't think I'd hear on commentary asking if you would uh, you know, be interested in somebody like that. You know, so uh, this entire promotion is as confused as the commentators were on this match. Because all of a sudden, as the match is going on, we get a weird cut, okay? And the girls are fighting now outside the ring. And apparently this match becomes a Falls Count Anywhere match. We never see the announcement of such. The commentators are never clued into this. And the match ends outside the ring on a pinfall. Yeah. A, a very, very, very fast pinfall on the outside. Right. So after, after the walk and brawl. Right. After the match, G.I. Ho is celebrating, and then she's attacked by The Smoke and Sound Guy Steve, who are apparently part of a faction called I Hate Hoes. 
And then they are run off, and it goes into a tag team match of Ty Killer Weed and Psycho Bitch. Okay? Uh, Ty has the greatest ring gear in the history of wrestling, I just want to say. Okay. Now, listen, I I did what I can, and because these shows were taped in such a way and released in such a way and so many times... Uh, like, you know, cause like I said, this 2014 release, and again, who gives a shit about this match? The match sucks. Um, the show ends, uh, G.I. Ho, uh, uh, Ty Weed and Psycho Bitch celebrate by drinking beers. The commentators make a bunch of inside references that, oh, G.I. Ho likes to party. Um, and then the show is over, but the YouTube file still has another seven minutes of black. <laughs> Yeah, I, I felt like it was an artistic choice. You know, oh, you it do? wasn't an accident. You know, they, it was like one of those things where the blackness is a reflection on the darkness in our souls when we are deprived of good wrestling. Right. Now, I, and like I said, I, so I have this was not my scene for professional wrestling at this time. Like, I was going to Ring of Honor shows. I was going to Chicago. I was starting to get ready to go to Chicago shows. I was following like the other indies and stuff. At the time, and this was completely off my radar, but I knew I knew somebody that would know people on this show and know more information about the history of this show. Okay, so like I said, I did a lot of work. I, you know, I'm getting what shows or what, getting the order of stuff. Now, as I understand um, from my research, and again, I'll tell you at the end of who my research is, so you can have your laugh and make your joke. Um, so Ty Killer Weed became a born again Christian. Okay. Is currently out of um, the business now, but was born again a little bit toward the end of her career and changed her name just to Ty, spelled T-H-A-I, teaching his almighty influence. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Steve the Sound Guy, uh, you might know as Mr. Miami, a.k.a. Steve O'Neill, the guy who was behind the Extreme Rising shows from 2004-2005. Never heard of him. Okay. He's out of the business now. Um, he is just a uh, super right-wing DJ in the New Jersey area. Okay? Oh, yeah. um, these shows were later purchased by uh, Steve Carroll, who, if you know, if you listen to your Between the Sheets Patreon, Steve Carroll was one of the guys that was helping with the money in ECW toward the end, which is why there wasn't a lot. He was the guy behind Stonecutter Media, if you would see Stonecutter Media on ECW stuff. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Steve Carroll, Stonecutter Media, purchased all the WEW Women's Extreme Wrestling, and we'll get to that here shortly as well. Um, The Women's Extreme Wrestling stuff, And he purchased a bunch of the CZW footage, and he had been releasing, if you've seen people tweet every now and then, you'll see like a random weird pay-per-view show up where it's like CZW women's matches, and it's kind of like beautiful, big, busty babes, you know? And it's CZW matches, and these matches interspersed as a pay-per-view. Gotcha. In in 2022, that's still a thing that's going on, right? Yeah, at least until the WWE buys the tape library. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Put it on the cock. <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, the pro- Okay, so... The other person who was involved in this, uh, who was the promoter here, was a guy named Dan Kowal. 
Um, he was the when so this promotion's running mostly in the Northeast, like Philly, Delaware, whatever. It ends up moving down to Florida, which is where it gets picked up by this Dan Kowal guy. The Dan Kowal guy ends up selling the stuff to Steve Carroll. Okay, so this promotion in and of itself has little to no identity because WEW, depending on how heavily strippered up the shows were, sometimes WEW would stand for women's extreme wrestling. Sometimes it would stand for women's erotic wrestling, okay? Mm-hmm. When they're in this main event, when um, Lady Storm and G.I. Ho are feuding the outside, all the branding that's in the building for the show is G-L-O-O-W, like gorgeous ladies, you know, whatever, whatever it stands for, to try to, like, trick people into that they're watching GLOW. Then it was also promoted in some areas as DWOW, Dangerous Women of Wrestling. Again, it's the same company with four different brandings for the same group of people, right? I feel like it's like it's just one traveling circus where if one of the promotional names gets banned or gets a bad rap in an area, they just change it so that they can just run run in that town again. Right. And here I'll show you and I'll pull it up here as you can see who I've been talking to. So this, as you can see here, where when they would re-push some of this footage. So as you can see here, there's the WEW banner underneath it. And then they just put in Comic Sans DWOW over it and then just repurpose the same footage as DWOW, right? Uh, yeah, I gotcha. Right. So this whole promotion is a mess. What we watched was a mess. Um, again, I do thank you for like making me watch this because I never would have watched this um, in my life. And now this is additional information in regards to this era of independent wrestling that I never had before. And I will say thank you to my research assistant words, big eighties. <laughs> See, I feel like it, that I am doing a service to not only you, but our listeners by making you a more well-rounded wrestling historian. Is that what you're doing? You just said that, like, if you didn't have this homework assigned, this would be a glaring omission to your knowledge, and I just, I just filled that gap. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Joe, I don't. I'd say that there's a very slim chance we're going to revisit this, uh, only because you can't get a, a true idea of like the the storytelling since they're picking and choosing from different shows. It's hard to get a cohesive narrative. So we're probably not going to go back to this. If only you could find the original pay-per-view airings uh-huh. and we could watch these things in order and get like a full show beginning to end instead of one of these chopped up pieces of shit, you know? Yeah, poss- we'll save that for the Patreon. Okay. That's never happening. <laughs> so I have an assignment for Adam, okay? Yeah. And we've been on the, the the road here watching these Chikara events leading up to whatever. And some people knew and some people didn't know where everything was going, that the, we were going to get to the shutdown angle. OK. Mm. And then I was scratching my chin. I'm like, well, what am I going to have Adam watch after the shutdown show? I go, you know, we could just go right to the comeback show, but there's got to be other stuff that we could do. And unanimously, people told me of what I should have had you assign next. And again. I, I can't say it's like, oh, it was done in secret. Literally everybody from uh, Stefani to Kenny from the Mystery Men to everybody in between uh, that's a listener of this show said you have to make Adam watch Ashes. The oh, Ashes yeah. of Chikara, which was a quote-unquote feature-length movie that quote-unquote got a red carpet premiere that bridged the gap 
between the show that we just watched and the Chikar Return show. Okay? All right. So that does exist on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. However, there's things that happen outside of the movie and in between the shutdown show and the return show that is crucial to this whole story. So friend of the show, uh, I would say Chikara super fan, you know, once you're Chikara super fan, unless you work for Chikara, I think you kind of have that in your soul for a while. Uh, but friend of the show, Kevin Ford made a playlist of the important stuff that needs to be watched alongside of ashes. Okay. Okay. Now, it's just a real quick playlist. Um, let me pull it up here because it does start kind of... Um, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight videos, maybe averaging about three to four minutes each. So, you know, whatever your gazint is in, that's going to add like maybe an extra like 25 minutes onto the movie. Okay, to kind of flesh things out to be a feature length, you know, thing. Okay? Yeah. So, um, you're going to watch Ashes. The link is going to be in the show notes. And then once you get to 39 minutes and 50 seconds on the movie, okay? Um, <laughs> when Icarus goes to Quack's house, okay? Uh-huh. You're going to pause the movie, and then you're going to watch the playlist in order, okay? <laughs> once okay. you watch the playlist, you could then pick things up there from Icarus going to Quack's house. Uh, definitely not unnecessarily complicated, but all right. It, it's important to the greater overarching story of everything. Uh-huh. Um, if it's not, I'll just blame Kevin Ford. It, listen, <laughs> I Kevin and I have painst Kevin more so than me, because uh, he's the one that actually like pulled and rendered and uploaded and made the the whatever right. Mm-hmm. But I'm more so the one that I'm like, oh, this one needs the, we need this one, but not this one. And we could skip that one. And like, okay, that's covered enough in ashes that we don't need the supplementary material. But um, there's stuff that just happens in ashes that is just kind of like, unless you're following the entire product as well, because ashes originally was released as a bunch of individual vignettes. And I've watched all the individual vignettes, but I never watched the whole thing as the quote unquote feature length thing that it was supposed to be. And now having watched the full feature length thing as it's supposed to be, you really need to watch the YouTube playlist as well for a lot of it to actually make sense. Okay, fair and enough. We'll, and we'll get into all the backstory on all of it next week as well. It'll be a super short show. <laughs> we don't do short shows at uh, at Outs with Wrestling. That's the other shows. All right. But all of this will be in the show notes, um, you know, for the wherever you get the episode, blah, blah, blah. If you really need it, I could email it to you, you know. Uh, that being said, uh, Adam, let's get into uh, some voicemails, huh? Let's do it. Hey, Joe and Adam, what's happening? Uh, it's your buddy Kenny from the Mr. Men. Hope all is going well with you guys. LVAC week, really excited. I'm stoked to uh, catch up with you guys and uh, do the whole family reunion at the uh, in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Sokol's Lounge should be a good time. Uh, I don't know what uh, all this baseball talk is. I never heard about none of that stuff, uh, but it should be a good time. Uh, let's see, a couple weeks ago, I saw a picture of a real washed-up, bitter, angry ex-MMA fighter 
uh, show up in public to some place. He was looking really confused as this was like reading a giant board of where his air, airport is supposed to be or his airplane is supposed to go or whatever. And he was real looking, looking real crusted over, real washed. And he was wearing some swishy shorts and a leather jacket. And I tweeted innocuously at the time, who wears a leather jacket and shorts? And I got some incredible responses, not just one from the godfather, Joe Sposo, but another one uh, from the big guy, from Pig Daddy Cool, the, the Boar's War. So uh, I got a pretty cool Halloween costume for this uh, LVAC thing coming up. I know Adam's anti-costume, which is real sad because he'd be... He'd make a great addition to the, uh, you know, pair of hot cat girls that are going to be hanging out that night. So, anyway, see you Friday. Bye! I, I gotta address this. At, at no point have I ever said that I'm anti-costume. I just, I have not worn a costume to a, a Let's Hang Out, but I haven't said that I'm anti-costume. And I think that's a pretty pretty daring take for somebody who insulted uh, Raven and Mr. Hitman. But, that's right. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I, also, I, I don't know if Ed will talk about it on his call, but there won't be any cat girls there, at least none that we know. <sighs> yeah, I saw the tweet. Yeah. So uh, well, listen, Ed and Pat are cowards. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this will be the first time Pat actually hears this show. Hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. On the ride to the uh, the LVAC, right? Unless he's napping. Listen, there's a there's like a convenient mart. They can go get some like grease paint and you know make some cat ears, right? Or they anyway. <laughs> I don't know how being a cat girl works. I'm not a cat girl. But you said, so Kenny teased his costume. Is he going to be Raven? Is he going to be Mr. Hitman? Or is he going to be the guy that he was insinuating, the New York baloney Phil Baroni, which I think would be a funnier costume? <laughs> um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think he better make sure he has the Leparka mask in his back pocket for some people, you know? <laughs> yeah, just give him a good scare. And I'm not dressing up this year, just because, like I said, things have just been kind of hectic, running around and whatnot. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, let's just say I'm going, this year I'm going as a fatter version of me, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. But Adam, you should go as uh, already dressed as the Joker. <laughs> I might just go as casual, casual wear Arthur MacArthur. Right. You know, just already on his day off. Already going to a bar. That'll be my. my oh, okay. Own. Yeah. I I, I, w I was thinking about wearing the broski jacket, but I don't know if it'll zip up anymore. So uh -oh. that's, that's off the table. Oh boy. All right, next caller. I, I, this is the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur. Um, it is Tuesday as of this call, so <gasps> things might be different Thursday. Um. <laughs> What can I say? The Guardians uh, fell short. Fell in Game 5 tonight. Uh, congratulations to Adam and his uh, beloved Yankees for moving on. Uh, I guess someone has to do the job for the Astros in the ALCS. So. I mean, hey, what can I say? They gave us all these non-rest days for the playoffs. It is, you know, what it is. So congratulations to the Astros for jobbing out to the Phillies in the World Series. Very very happy for you guys. Um, oh, I, got, I got nothing else. I'm really sad. I had a really great bit planned if we had won. Mm -hmm. and I showed Adam, and, uh, you know, and it's the way it goes. But, okay, fuck it. Anyways, uh, in a couple weeks, actually, no, a week from this call, 
It'll be our Halloween show for Absolute Intense Wrestling. It's going to be a good one um, Thursday night on the 27th, and everyone's going to be a different character for one night only. So I guess um, I guess my call for this week is uh, what do you want to see out of everybody? What different characters? And and obviously we're not. No one's going to do anything offensive, you know. Obviously, especially I know some people want to be Ted Bundy, and it's like, no, nah, don't do that, bro. What do you want to see, guys? Sound off. That's all I got. Go brag uh, Cavs, I guess. I don't know, man. This whole <laughs> sports city, city of sports has gone to shit. Bye. Um, during the beginning of Artie's call, Aaron Judge hit a ball that uh, almost <laughs> it almost was a, a, a game, I don't want to say game winning, but a two-run home run that just got yanked from over the wall. So, like, it was inches shy of being a home run. God damn it. Uh, but as far as the Guardians not getting enough days off, uh, maybe they should have won more games during the regular season. That would have been an option. But, uh, yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts of uh, – my expectations of the Yankees go listen to sports talk. Uh, Joe, what kind of costumes are you looking forward to on uh, the Halloween show on AIW? For the uh, for so I think uh, Thorne should absolutely dress as uh, barely legal slash beyond the mat era Paul Heyman <laughs> uh, with the fake ponytail and the leather duster and the whole thing. Yeah, um, I definitely so there was. Um, it was an ECW house show. It wasn't TV or nothing where uh, a bunch of guys came out in like their past gimmicks, you know, like Shane came out in Dean Douglas and Candido came out in skip gear, that sort of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think if any of these guys on the shows uh, had past gimmicks, they should come out in those gimmicks or maybe like do swapped like uh, Bitcoin boys should come out as bulking season and bulking season should come out as Bitcoin boys. Okay. Uh, to kind of flip things on their their heads for that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, or at the very least, the entire show should just be all sexy cat girls. <laughs> That's an option. If you're going to be impersonating somebody else, you have to do their move set. You have to cut promos like them. Yeah. You know, I want to see Jocelyn Navarro be you know uh, a bishop going around just punching people's knuckles and throwing people through doors, and you know I think it would be funny. For sure. Yeah, that's all I got. Nice nice talking to you, Artie. I'm glad that there's uh, no hurt feelings over the last series. And, yes, the Yankees are doing a job now. Yeah, and Artie, I'm sure whatever that bit that you shared with Adam uh, was that when the the Guardians win, I'm sure when they win next year, you'll be able to do it then, right? (laughs) You might have to hold on to it for a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Okay. Fair enough. Next call. Hey, Adam. Hey, Joe. It's Kyle here, the old editor-in-chief at NEPAWrestling.com, throwing in another uh, unauthorized plug just because I know the ire that it gets uh, Adam when that happens. But in all seriousness, uh, thank you guys for all your great support and the support of your fans uh, in this endeavor. And I just wanted to point out that I've got that great uh, LVAC review piece for the Steel Stack Smackdown show, um, which I know is a focus of a lot of conversation on the show. Uh, so folks may want to check that out at NEPAWrestling.com. Uh, and also, it's kind of a little primer to get everybody excited for uh, the show on Friday, of course, the Big Let's Hangout show back at the National Skulls. Uh, so once again, thank you guys for all your great wrestling banter and good things that you do for the wrestling community, and I hope to see you all there uh, at the show tomorrow. Thanks. 
Yeah, we have it. I've, I keep forgetting to integrate uh, Kyle's site there, nepawrestling.com, into the regular plug section. Uh, so thank you, Kyle, for calling in and mentioning that. Uh, put together a nice piece kind of, um, you know, reviewing the Steel Stack Smackdown show, preview of this show. And I feel bad because as he was putting it together, like, Monday, I knew there was going to be some changes to the card. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, I can't stooge it off to Kyle just yet because it hasn't been officially announced yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's independent wrestling, man. Plans change. Herm Sassafras. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with him coming on and promoting the show. Or not the show. The uh, website. I just got to... You gotta just pad the lope, buddy. That's all. <laughs> I don't want to hear any stories of you big leaguing anyone, you know? <laughs> Next call. Next call. Hey, guys. Kevin here. And let's let's see if I can word this correctly. No, no, no need to get worried. It's not going to be about the homework. Um, <laughs> all right. So I was watching Dynamite, like many of us, and saw, you know, the, the Adam Page injury there and it was freaky and it was spooky and everything and I, I was glad to hear good news later um and then uh on twitter i noticed that chris nowinski uh chimed in making point about all the work that's been done and and referees being trained to recognize the uh the doctor at ringside and i thought you know chris nowinski because of his own concussions and his own injuries has probably done more good for wrestling and sports because of being injured than he ever would have done in an actual wrestling career. Like he's probably really, you know, saved lives and, and helped people and and made the world a better place because of his injuries. So that got me thinking, uh, can you think of other examples of negatives that created positives, something that, you know, a, a bad situation happened to a person, a company or whatever that, Years later, uh, the ripple effect happened, and we have positive things because of that. All right, so that's my random question for the week. Looking forward to hearing the show, guys. And Adam, that's that homework. (laughs) Bye. You're welcome. (laughs) Kevin's just upset that it wasn't clearer quality. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll look into getting the Blu-ray rips of it. (laughs) Yeah, have somebody upscale the footage for him. Uh, but the question that he mentions is interesting, um, yeah. only because it's kind of tough to think about, like, in the world of wrestling. Because sadly, and unfortunately, usually when someone um, is injured or what have you in professional wrestling, they're pretty much done with anything involving uh, wrestling. I guess, you know, you could say the passing, the, un- the you know, the, the, the horrible events of Owen Hart passing caused his wife Martha to put together the Owen Hart Foundation and all the good that that has done. Um, you know, really any instance in regards to an injury kind of like is focused of the person staying in wrestling. And Chris Nowinski is definitely an outlier because I'm sure he's not the first person to have a concussion in, the, in professional wrestling. Yeah. And I'm sure he's not the first person to have a concussion that's so bad that he retires from wrestling because I'm sure there's people that have had concussions and should retire from wrestling or should have retired from wrestling and kept going because you're just bit by that bug. So you kind of have to hand it to Chris Nowinski that he realized sooner than maybe anyone else of how bad his concussion was and that he needed to better himself as opposed to the sickness that is professional wrestling, you know? Yeah. And the stuff that Nowinski has done, you know, that has crossover to the NFL, you know, a lot of, 
concussion stuff has, has been changed specifically there because it used to just be, you know, walk it off. You know, you got right. your bell rung, get back out there and a rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, you know, some people are like anti-safety police and, you know, they, you know, thinking that you're being a not being a tough guy when you don't go back out with a concussion. But, you know, I'm not of that mindset. So he's had a lot of good that he's done as far as Kevin's question. I don't have a specific person, but like think about and you can fill in the blanks yourselves, listeners, like any time that some like a former wrestler might have gotten hurt uh, and, you know, started up a promotion. Or, you know, became a trainer and, you know, taught people that went on to have great careers, you know, as a trainer. So it happens a million times. So that's like a blessing in disguise. Somebody that couldn't finish their in-ring career but did something to contribute to the sport, you know? Absolutely. Cool. Thank Thanks, you for your call, Kevin. Next call. Hello, Joe. Hello, Adam. Uh, it is Tom Green. Um, I just uh, first wanted to say that I hope you guys had fun watching Anal Assault or whatever it is you two watched this week. Um, I'd like to congratulate Chris Jericho on his promotion to an executive position in AEW this week. Um, I'm glad uh, that they finally filled the position of executive vice president of Dude to make young female indie workers feel very uncomfortable in hotel rooms after TV tapings. Um, I hope, I know Chris is going to do a great job in the role. Allegedly. Um, also, I'd like to give a big shout out to all you babies who think that uh, that wrestlers shouldn't be hitting each other during matches. Uh, you all have are doing great still in the timeline with all your whining and and your your tagging of of old Southern men who may or may not watch. Uh, muscular giant boys have sex with their wives. Uh, <laughs> so congratulations. Keep up the good work, Chris Jericho. And why did that just end like a AIW podcast? And wait, but I think the next Elback show, um, a great idea would be if everybody wore boar masks Ooh. and no one acknowledged it. It's just hundreds of boars in the crowd, uh, and I, just, I, I think it'd be great. All right. Have fun. Um, don't let your children listen to Adam Van talk about Alexa Bliss. Bye. There you go. Wow. All right. I, I don't know about you, Joe, but for me, there was a big blank spot in his call, but I'm sure there was nothing missing there. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of a bunch of people showing up with boar masks, and I think that that is an opportunity oh, uh, left off the table. The fact that you cannot just go to a show and buy a boar mask. I think that's uh, you know some cardboard ones for the little kitties, maybe some little bit nicer made ones for the adult collector. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of merch opportunities there, and it's very surprising. And but, there was a. There was a time in Chikar where Quack had a whole bunch of replica masks made yeah. poorly, I might I might add, of like ice creams and colony and someone else, maybe Mantis. Um and you know, it would it was my wife so he would order them and they would be poorly made and it was my wife's job to fix them. Okay. Um, like to make sure that the eye holes were uh, open and make sure there was like actually mouth holes in them and that sort of thing. So like we would, they would come in and we would take home, like, and my wife would be sitting there 
fixing them all, you know, with her sewing skills and then taking them home and doing them there and so on and so forth. And I think like if it was your mask, you got like five or ten of them that you could do whatever you want with. Be that as it may. And then from there, um, Boar should reach out to whoever that mask maker was and get a bunch of, uh, you know, slightly off brand, like, you know, just like a step down from his very classed up mask and be selling those masks at shows. Uh, and again, even as Adam mentioned, even just cardboard ones with the rubber band around them, you know, that could work too. Yeah. I mean, you could print out, I, I'm not a, a cardboard mask maker by any means, but I'm just doing my estimation here. You could probably print out a hundred of them for 20 bucks and then you sell them for five bucks at each at the table to the little kitties. You're rolling in it. That's there's a lot of uh, a lot of figs you can buy with that money. And you know, as the other things that uh, Tom mentioned, I'm sure Chris Jericho. uh, Now that he's actually in a named position of power, would definitely not do anything to abuse that power. Um, Definitely not do that. And uh, you know, all those people that like, and they covered it over on uh, Pod Van Dam this week. There was the Athena bit where she kind of, and again, I'm going to say roughed up Jody uh, threat, I think her name was. And everyone's like, oh, how unsafe this was and all this other crap like that. And you're all a bunch of hypocrites. If it's this is happening in AEW, you're nitpicking stuff. You're trying to curry the favor of two old men in Tennessee who won't even like your tweet, let alone acknowledge you. Well, I, I think it, you have to do it a thousand times. Then after that, the thousand first tweet. Oh, okay. Crazy. That's right. That's the math. Yeah. Um, but it's infuriating. It's it, you all live sad existence if that's what it is that you're attempting to curry the favor of Jim Cornette and Dutch Mantel of all people, and like those are just the named ones. And then you have all the bad faith. You said before safety police, but just all the bad faith anti AEW people who will just blindly defend anything WWE does and blindly decry anything that AEW does. Yeah. And you can't point out situations of things that happened in Smoky Mountain that were a thousand times more unsafe. You can't point out things that happened in World Wrestling Entertainment that were a thousand times more unsafe because they'll just shout you down. It's best not to engage with these people. Like I said, when I see the same name coming up and multiple people are interacting with that same name, I mute that account, I block that account, and if you start sending screenshots of what these people are up to, I'm very sorry, I'm probably muting you as well. I don't need this shit in my life. Oh, well, there goes my day today. Well, dude, that that guy was muted and blocked like hours before you started fucking with him. (laughs) All right, and I'll just say, as far as the EVP thing, uh... Now that Jericho's an EVP or he has that role, uh, he'll be on his best behavior because everybody knows the EVPs are always well behaved, except for that one time. Yeah, that, that yeah, nothing, nothing ever came out of that though, other than the show being derailed for months. Yeah. All right, last call, pink button time. Yay. Hey, John Adam, it's Ed. Um, we talked about it on the show this week, which, uh, I hope you've heard by now. Um, but we don't get to get into it because, like, it was day one of Athena Gate, so we didn't even get to, like, the giant big brain tweets from, uh, <laughs> people like Dutch Mantel and, like, Road Dog tweet about how brutal this is and 
it's one of the uh, and I've seen a match was like one of the worst things I've seen in wrestling. Like Doctor Mantel watched the guy bleed to death, but he's like clutching girls over Athena laying some knees in. Athena <laughs> has to feel so fucking good right now, right? Like she is so good at her job that she is one tricks people into thinking that she's actually hurting people, which is the whole fucking point of wrestling. <laughs> or two. Uh, she's made these old men express themselves as lying grifters because they have to act like they're appalled by this shit because they happen in the company they don't like. It's really fucking dope. I love it. Adam. Yes. Uh, I know you and Jonah have issues because of baseball, but listen, I figured out a way how to get you two together. And that way is Vince Russo. You guys have a common Vince Russo connection. Vince Russo wearing his Yankees jersey all the time when he was working. His shooting jersey is uh, San Francisco Giants, baby. But he's wearing those Yankees jerseys when he's out there working. Um, Jonah loves Vince Russo. I think Vince Russo can bring you guys together. <laughs> and um, I'll see you uh, tomorrow at the Outback. CPH is going to be there. I'm stoked. Um, Joe, uh, if whoever you're doing commentary with doesn't show up and then Adam doesn't want to and Tim says no and Mantis says he doesn't want to, and Veda Scott uh, isn't there, Ooh. and, uh, you know, I've done commentary before, and uh, I, I, could call, I could call some fights. If, obviously, if whoever you're doing the commentary of the show of, Adam Van doesn't want to, Tim says no, Veda Scott isn't there, and Mantis says no. There's an owl. Tim, There's an owl loose in my room, I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> Can I say, uh, I don't have any beef with Jonah, and I think the thing that is slightly irking Jonah is every time he says something mean about me on Twitter, I just like the tweet and move on. Right. <laughs> so I think that has taken the air out of his attacks. But uh, I could say it this late into the show, and uh, you definitely did a very good job at handling um, you know, the people that were kind of giving you some grief about it. Okay, thank you. Um, but I, you know, mentioned at the top of the show, but I'll mention it again here. Um, if I was one of your writers, I would just reply to everyone like, Hey, everyone gets one reply. Um, and I would just say to them, it's like, Oh, this is what it looks like when you haven't been there before. Cool. (laughs) And like, what do you say to that as a, you know, as a fan of a team or a franchise that hasn't been there before, you know? Yeah. Um, but, Ed, we'll talk in regards to commentary. Uh, Mike, you know, it's going to be me and Avery Good, professional wrestler for the show. It's only five matches. And I'm worried that if I can't finagle you in, I feel as though the window to get coherent, Ed, this <laughs> Friday is going to be very small. Yeah, match one. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're going to have to add an extra match to the show just to hope we get Ed before he's uh, gone to the darkness, you know? <laughs> or like after the show just give ed a microphone and like a headset and just tell him he's calling a match and right <laughs> all the cameras are off uh but we, we i know guarantees uh obviously this is a much smaller much different show but i'll i'll do what i can uh like i said no promises and what else did he say he said well, well you and you and jonah do whatever the hell you and jonah are gonna do he's working like six different gimmicks you know so <laughs> Yeah, Who I the can't, fuck knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, Jonah's Jonah, whatever. Uh, but I, I'll just say, and I, I think I derailed here, um, Tim's not coming, so you right. doesn't have to worry about that hurdle. 
Uh, I am not going to do commentary because I'm going to be drinking. Right. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, fingers crossed Veda Scott won't be there. Uh, <laughs> but I think your chances, you know, they're not great, but they're better than you thought they'd be at. Yeah, and Mantis ain't going to do commentary. He's in the main event. He's got to prep, you know? He's got to oil up and get a pump on. <laughs> exactly. But thank you, Ed. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow as well as Ronald Two Legs. Yes. Uh, so we talked about it. a bunch of people called in about it. Of course, uh, the the day is upon us. LVAC, let's hang out. Spooky edition. Friday, seven o'clock doors, seven thirty bell time. Is not streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, use the code add-ons for new subscribers to go, you know, sign up and let Jerry know that we sent you there. Uh, but the card as of this recording, and I did text the boss to see if they do have a replacement lined up yet. Because, unfortunately, uh, Edith Surreal is currently without an opponent. Uh, Devian could not make it. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Eric Lee was injured. So stepping into her spot is going to be Little Mean Kathleen teaming up with the boar to take on the flirtation of Love Doug and the tender weapon. Um, Big Dan is going to be taking on Max the Impaler, who's fresh off a tour of Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, we have a four. I forget what the has some funky name uh, for the four corner tag match. Freddy's Fright Night Four Corner Free for All, but with tag teams this time. <laughs> uh, as Havoc and Blackstrom take on the Creeps, take on the Colony, take on Jeff Cannonball and Chris Worthless. Uh, and then the main event uh, Mask versus Career, 10 person tag. <laughs> Uh, the commission's team of Billy Avery, Ryan Mooney, Akuma, the returning, excuse me, CPA, and the debuting Becca take on uh, Hydra, Ultramantis Black, Crossbones making his LVAC debut, Cheeseburger, and uh, Clara Sierras. Again, if, Ma if uh, Hydra's team wins, then Billy Avery uh, can no longer wrestle for the LVAC. If Billy Avery, the commission's team, wins, then Hydra must unmask. That seems like a lose-lose, to be honest with me. Hmm. You know, that's I don't want to see Billy Avery go away, and I don't want poor Hydra to lose his mask. I don't know. I'm told. Well, like I said, this is, uh, you know, the commission's evil doings. He said himself, heads he wins, tails you lose. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though he has stacked the deck in his favor. Uh, but these shows are always a great time. And listen, I'll be honest with you. There's some bands that are going to be performing there. I'm not there for the bands. I'm very ignorant to the music. If you're in that scene, you'll get it. Hopefully the f the floor doesn't cave in this time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did you talk to the boss about my suggestion as a replacement opponent for Edith? Um, or is it too short notice? I think it's too short notice. And I think, um, any people that are even like contract adjacent are in Jacksonville, uh, this weekend. Oh, I mean, I could, I could arrange travel mm -hmm. <laughs> <sighs> in a sack over a borough is no way for any woman to travel. Adam. <laughs> All right. Next time, next time. Uh, but tickets are still available. Um, you know, obviously you're not going to get a physical pr ticket sent to you, but you are going to get on a list and that will guarantee you entrance to the show. Uh, it is a smaller venue than the previous uh, event. Uh, do not forget to bring uh, proof of vaccine or a recent negative test. 
uh, to the show. And, uh, yeah, see us there. Uh, I'm going to be at the commentary table. Adam is going to be the guy dressed as uh, our casual Arthur MacArthur. <laughs> Say hi to us. Come get a picture with us. Um, I'm not charging Rob Liefeld prices, but, you know, you do, uh, you do. I do take a part of your soul when you get a picture with me. So, Oh, that's a deal. <laughs> Uh, anyway, looking forward to the show. Uh, I think there's a December event as well that doesn't have an official date yet. But, you know, just start making plans for December Return to Sokols. I should be free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm looking at a calendar, um, I would guess the 16th because the 23rd is Festivus. Okay. And that's too close to the actual shoot holiday itself for the boss. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm guessing the 16th, but let's not set that one in stone, you know? Yep. Uh, like I said, the boss has been busy today, so I haven't heard back from him. Uh, so, okay, we got the T Public store. They're doing a flash sale. Um, I forget what time it starts, but it's, like, going on right now, 35% off. Uh, it's only good until, like, midday Friday. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know, like, after 12 on Friday, you probably missed the sale. Uh, but 35% off uh, all the add-odds uh, with wrestling-inspired designs, uh, looking like some of the more popular logos in the world of professional wrestling. Get them on shirts, get them on the cell phone covers, get them on notebooks, whatever. Um, you could also help out the show by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is you get the episode. Uh, even if you get it from shitty podcatchers like Spotify, they'll alert people three days after the show goes live that it's available. <laughs> Fuck you all podcatchers. Um, <laughs> some of the, oh, so, uh, hey, uh, so Amazon affiliate link does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include Birch's shoelaces in 27 colors, flat 5 16th inch shoelaces in four different lengths. Who in their right mind would need 27 different colors of shoelaces? You'd have to be a shoe-obsessed person to buy that. No, it's just telling you that you could get these shoelaces in 27 colors. This particular person purchased them in red. Ah, uh, well, he, he owes us 26 more purchases. All right. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased a universal razor and brush stand holder with stainless shaving bowl set, adjustable extra wide brush openings, fits most razors and brushes. Most, but not all. Right. Uh, you really can't try them out through Amazon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I think inspired by your gushing over the new Google Pixel phone last week, uh, somebody decided to protect theirs and got an AACL Pixel 7 Pro screen protector, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they, they just say the same words over and over and over again in that, that listing. But it's a two-pack. Right. It is a two-pack. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for adding all of your purchases to the Amazon affiliate link, whether it be this week, this month, this forever. It's all greatly appreciated. Yep. And you know who else is greatly appreciated, Joe? These podcasts. Ooh, ooh, These that, podcasts. <laughs> I was going to say, that owl's loose in the room again. <laughs> I got to do something about that. Those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, 
Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, If You Catch My Grift, and Final Wrestling Place, Joe. And I just wanted to list them last because I was listening to their most recent episode, always recommended. And I believe Tim tasked Marcus with listing, to the best of his ability, all of the WWECW champions in order. And it was an interesting little exercise, you know, and it was funny that uh, Marcus wasn't sure if Broski was the ECW champion. If he was, the company would have stuck around, but uh, that was never the case. So it made me think, who is the wrestling historian that I have access to? Oh, right. That's you, Joe. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of ECW world title lineages, uh, starting with Shane Douglas, as is your free square, obviously, as the first extreme championship wrestling champion. Joe, do you can you name the lineage of ECW world champions or can you come close? How do you think you'd do? I could probably come close. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we're starting with Shane Douglas in August of 1994, right? Yep. So, uh, so Shane Douglas loses uh, the belt to the Sandman. Yep. Uh, Sandman loses the belt to Mikey Whipwreck. Yep. Mikey loses it back to the Sandman. Yep. Sandman loses the belt to Raven. Yep. Um, Raven. Uh, okay, so Raven gets Raven goes to rehab. And is stripped of the title. Sandman wins the title again. Yep. Raven then beats Sandman for the title again. (laughs) Yep. Raven loses the title to Terry Funk. Yep. Terry Funk loses the title to Sabu. Hitting a million so far. Sabu loses the title to Shane Douglas. Yep. Shane Douglas loses the title to Bam Bam Bigelow. Yep. Bam Bam Bigelow loses the title back to Shane. (laughs) Yep. And this is where I'm going to get spotty because... I mean, that was um, pretty damn good so far, but... I would think... So, if my memory is correct, I think Shane loses the belt to Taz, right? That is correct. Okay. So, then, Taz keeps the belt until he loses it to Mike Awesome. That is correct. Mike Awesome trades the belt to Masato Tanaka... Masato Tanaka, who trades the belt back to Taz, or to uh, Mike Awesome. Yep. Mike Awesome loses the belt back to Taz. Yep. Tom Dreamer beats Taz for the belt. Yep, that was the one where, like, Taz and Awesome are, like, you know, WCW and WWE people. Yep, okay. Just Incredible beats Tom Dreamer for the belt. That's correct. And then from here is where it gets a little hazy. Um, I don't think Justin keeps the belt to the end of... Does Carino beat Justin Credible for the belt? No, there is somebody before Carino. Is it Jerry Lynn? It is Jerry Lynn. Okay. And then Carino's the last... No, then... And then doesn't uh, Carino lose it to Rhino in the last ever ECW show? He loses it to Sandman, who loses it to Rhino. And there you go. I'd say that's not too shabby, right? Yeah, I mean, you you left out Jerry Lynn and, and one Sandman reign. I mean, that's pretty damn good. I couldn't remember for sure if Jerry Lynn held the belt or not. I knew 
he was like a prime contender and they did like a heel turn thing with him and that sort of thing. I just couldn't remember if he won the belt for sure or not. But uh, uh listen, I, I could have did better. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty damn good, especially for a surprise bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Joe, I think there's uh, only one thing left and we can get out of here. In another hour. <laughs> Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> Joe. It is the year of financial <laughs> responsibility. So I just want to start things off by saying that everybody knows that. And everybody knows that uh, I've been a good boy. I've been uh, just week in and week out not making any uh, uh, any crazy decisions or anything like that. So I'll just start things off with a small purchase and say that I purchased on eBay, a little bit older of a fig. I bought from Series 60 of the WWE Basic line. Oof, over a basic a basic the first time in the line and only time in the line renee young figure oh look at that okay yeah it'll be a little topical there she only has the one figure uh a lot of the the women's basics from around that time were basically elites they had the posability of elites not that i'll ever know i'm not taking it out of the packaging but uh figured i'd pick that up it was cheap i was like yeah i'll grab it you know who knows how long before uh, it takes before ringside makes uh, an AEW Renee Paquette figure, you know? Why do I recall that being a bad-looking figure in the face? Uh, the face? Uh, mm. it, it's not great, but it's not bad. You know, it's not It's not like the, like the modern, uh, not Athena, like the Ember Moon figure that's just a crime against the person. Right. You know, it's just, it's not the greatest scam, you know? Do you think somebody told... Uh, um, Athena before her match on Dark that Jody threats the one who made her figure. <laughs> yeah, she's the one that just got designed it and sculpted. Yeah, had final approval, and that that's how it happened. But yeah, that's um, probably what it was. Exactly. But Yankees are down to one out with one guy on. Just in case you're curious, and Joe, what's the score? Uh they are down by one run, three two. Well, they could win that, right? It's possible. It's sure. Likely, but it's possible. Uh, but, Joe, that's all I bought. <gasps> Get the hell out of town. That's that's literally it. So I have a purchase. I bought something. It was something I was kicking the tires on, and I waited to the last minute to do a pre-order on it. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I do my best to try to support the podcasts when I can. And uh, more times than not, most podcasts have, like, and again, I hate to say this, but, like, merch and stuff and sometimes the bonus stuff doesn't work out or it's not consistent or you know a million different things but one of the shows i listen to it's called the creep off it's an adjunct show to who are these podcasts and if you've seen like stuttering john from the howard stern's name trending on twitter over the last couple days or weeks it's because of those shows specifically but uh the creep off is essentially the two hosts Vinny and carl uh there's a topic that's picked and it's anything from like 
creepiest police officer to creepiest resident of, of like Nebraska or whatever it is, right? Okay. They do their research, they present their case, and the fans vote on who they think the biggest creep picked was. After five losses, they have to spin a wheel of consequences, which is everything from uh, playing five or playing fifteen seconds of porno on your phone in public to <laughs> giving up ha- your share of the Patreon until you win again. Uh, but they offered a shirt. It was a Halloweeny themed shirt. I wish it was in for Halloween. I have it up on my screen. Uh, this is Carl in the orange. This is Vinny in the green. Um, and it's just like a spooky looking shirt. Even if you don't know what the podcast is, it's a spooky enough looking of a shirt. I'm like, I'll support the boys and I'll purchase a shirt, you know? Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, it's definitely a nice shirt. Shame it. They should have had that out before Halloween. Shame on them. I agree. And I'm sad that they didn't alter Carl's appearance in any way on the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Like try to make him look bad or something, you know? No, uh, I think that was them touching him off to look good. <laughs> Uh, but that's it. Like I said, uh, you know, you had one purchase. What the fuck is going on, Adam? Are you feeling all right? It's the year of financial responsibility. I don't know why you people don't believe me when I say it. I have that tweet saved uh, <laughs> from January of this year. So, you know, it, it took you 10 months to get there and you're here, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a big operation. Lots of moving parts. It took a while to slow it down. Well, you know, I teased it last week and, uh, you know, I know... There might be some purchases next week. Mm, all right. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and again, we'll save all the discussion, all the hoopla, and all the everything else uh, for the 15-month anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's if we get there, Joe. You never know. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, yeah, I'd be in again. Let's well, you know what? I'm just going to ask you one vague question. Technically... Next week's show will be one day after the 15-month anniversary, right? Correct. Do we count the anniversary if you do not have the thing in your hand? Because in my mind, if you get a shipping notification tomorrow and you still don't get it until, like, the first of next month, that is more than 15 months. The shipping notification means nothing to me. Now, see, I'm on the hand. I'm on the flip side. I'll be happy if I have the shipping notification by the 25th. All right. I don't think I'm gonna, but I'll count it. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. We'll we'll get into more detail, uh, you know, next week. So I think that's it, right? That's it for me. Look at this. It really was a short show. Yep. And the Yankees lost. Oh, better. Is, is it this a five game series? It's seven. So they're going to New York for the next three. So I, I, I mean, they can sweep all three of those. I yeah. Think. And then losing to Houston, right? Exactly. <laughs> Would you prefer them lose in their hometown or lose in Houston? Uh, I mean, if they lose in Houston, at least that means that they won a couple games. But what if they lose or they win one in New York and then lose two more? then the series would be over and they, they would lose right. New York. Because it's 2-3-2, two, two, right? Exactly. First yeah. person of four wins. Yeah, yeah. I remember that from baseball, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. This was uh, At Odds with Wrestling, episode 212. Uh, for Adam, this is Joe saying, be safe out there, enjoy some wrestling, and hope to see you at Sokol's on Friday.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. 